Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight incredible women in STEM and discover who they are at home, at work, and everywhere in between. You can find all of our episodes online at podcast.swe.org or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Hello, I'm your host, Sam East, and welcome to Diverse, a sweet podcast. It's no surprise that many, many people around the world struggle with workplace burnout and stress, including those who work in engineering and technology. So today, we're so excited to be sitting down with Yannette Borrego and Carrie Kazelka, two women engineers who are helping others gain confidence and overcome workplace burnout in their own unique ways. This is such an important topic that ties into mental health as well, and I'm just so excited to dive into this. Yannette and Carrie are also part of the feature story on stress and burnout in the winter 2024 issue of SWE magazine, which I recommend you check out after listening to this episode. Carrie and Yannette, welcome to Diverse. Thank you so much, Sam. So excited to be here. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I want to dive into this because you both have really powerful stories that I feel a lot of people will be able to relate to. But Yannette, let's start with you. You made an intriguing career transition from a chemical engineer to a self-mastery coach. Could you, you know, give us the backstory here? Walk us through your journey in STEM and then that transition. Yes. So, I mean, coaching and engineering, a lot of people might think those are opposite, but they (laughs) were not for me. In high school, I actually really loved chemistry and coming with an immigrant background, one of my major purposes in life was to be able to give back financially to my family. So Mm -hmm. I figured that chemical engineering was just the perfect path to nurture that passion for chemistry. And of course, engineering, engineers had a lot of financial abundance. So it was just the perfect path for me. I went to school, did chemical engineering, did a couple of internships in the oil and gas industry. And then I got hired in Texas with one of the major oil and gas companies. And one of my first positions was process engineering. And I mean, I didn't know much about process engineering, but I quickly realized that it was a high stress job. Mm. It's actually one of the most stressful positions I've had in my whole corporate career, and now that I'm an entrepreneur. The stressful thing about it, Sam, was that as a new hire, I didn't have a lot of guidance. And also, I would be on call 24-7. So if there was Mm. an environmental release at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 1 a.m., I needed to run the calculations to calculate the release of, of that environmental release within two to three hours. So Even like me being away from home, I couldn't go farther than three hours from home. So I was just so stressed looking at my phone because unfortunately, the process units that I had, they had tons of environmental releases almost every single weekend, every single day. It was just so, so intense. And not only that, I was also in charge of supporting turnarounds. So basically, when the unit gets shut down, and we have to maintain the equipment, sometimes we got to work on night shifts. 
So again, as a new hire without much support, honestly, I was working from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., so 12-hour shifts at night during 13 days straight, and I would get the 14th days off. So basically every two weeks, I was working 12-hour night shifts at night, and I would get one day off, which was very, very stressful for me. And during this journey, I realized that even though I had everything that I considered what success was about, you know, an amazing company in Texas Mm -hmm. uh, with a great reputation, 60-year salary, I was supporting my family in Cuba. I had all of those things, but deep within myself, I just felt a lack of fulfillment. You know, I felt felt empty and that was another cause for stress. But honestly, my, my body kept communicating and I just started feeling this pressure in my chest. And it was just communicating, hey, you are in misalignment, you're stressed. Mm. But I just kept tolerating that pain. And I was like, no, it's okay. I'm a new hire. This is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I just kept tolerating, tolerating until the pain became unbearable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a pattern that so many times we run of sacrificing ourselves and deprioritizing what we feel so we can show up for everyone else. And yeah. When this happened, I actually had a panic attack. And mm-hmm. that was my body kind of like letting me know that I had ignored it for so long. And now it was time to pay attention. So when I had this panic attack, it was just crazy because I felt this pressure in my chest. And then my left arm completely went numb. And I thought I was going to die. So in this moment of, well, I'm going to have a heart attack. This is it in my life. I had this huge awakening and I had this question deep within myself. And the question was, am I proud of the life I had been living? And at that moment, I realized that the life I had been living was one that I was tolerating instead of one that I was creating and taking control of. And I remember going to emergency They took eight hours to get me the results. So in that time, I figured I wasn't dying. (laughs) So that was a good thing. Mm. And But that moment of that panic attack and that crisis really awakened my interest in getting to know who I was and what fulfilled me at the deepest level. Because before that, I was just focused on studying, like learning about others, learning like everything I was given in school, getting good grades. But I never actually invested time in getting to know myself. Mm-hmm. And I was truly burnt out and stressed. And now I look at stress as data. So that data for me was, again, communication that something was misaligned where I was. And I needed to reclaim my power and take control back and start making more aligned decisions. In the process of experimenting and getting to know who I was, I realized that I was like completely in love with understanding myself, with understanding the human being, why we behave in certain ways, why we feel unfulfilled. And I started experimenting with coaching. And in 2015, I did my first certification and I was like, you know, this is it for me. This is how I want to serve the world. Mm -hmm. To to remind high-achieving women in particular 
that they are the creators of their life, that they can reclaim they, their power and they have all the resources they need within themselves to succeed. And I also decided to start aligning my corporate career to that vision of one day contributing to the world through coaching. So I made a decision that a lot of people would consider a career killer back then in that organization at that time. I actually requested to be transitioned from process engineering to supply chain. That was an organization that truly resonated with my values. It was human-centric. I wanted to be in an environment where I could support people, that it was centered in people. And during that journey, I realized that the more you are aligned with your values and your purpose, the more abundance you breed, I mean, wellness-wise, financial-wise, and because I truly love supply chain, even though I didn't know what it was before transitioning there, but I knew it was more people-centric, I ended up doing really, really well. And on the side, I started building my coaching business. I started completing my certifications during my paid time off, during my vacation days. And it was just a truly fulfilling journey of me aligning to it. And then from supply chain, I continued working on that career reinvention of aligning to my values. And I transitioned to actually technology consulting. Consulting is very human-centric because people are the asset. And I truly love those two career transitions. And they prepare me to actually do and achieve my, my dream and my purpose of becoming a coach. And I continue working on my side coaching business on the side. In 2021, someone really close to me, and he was someone who back in 2012 taught me about meditation. He taught me about the subconscious mind. He really instilled all of this curiosity about human behavior in me. He mm -hmm. was my uncle. He was in Cuba. And he passed away of cancer in 2021. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me, again, that was such a big awakening and wake-up call to say, you know, I loved my career in consulting, but I had a bigger aspiration to move toward, which was coaching. It was scary to make that decision voluntarily, and it was very stressful at the time but I knew that back in 2015, when I had that panic attack, fulfillment was my driver. Mm. And I decided to quit my corporate career. Wow. And I know, which, which is crazy, because even in the HR exit interview, she's like, so um, are you having better benefits in this company? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm working for myself. <laughs> like, wow, this is not common. But I mean... I'm so interested on this, so intrigued. But I decided that I needed to make that decision out of love and something that I wanted to move towards instead of fear and doing something because I wanted to move away from that. Because again, I truly loved my, my consulting job and it was mm -hmm. so much more aligned with my values. But the death, I think death is such a, a good teacher of of the life that we are living, right? Mm -hmm. Life is temporary, it's fragile. And those two occasions, the panic attack and the death of my uncle, 
really, they were my biggest teachers when it comes to this journey of wellness and fulfillment and doing things because you truly believe in them and you are passionate about them. And yeah, now I'm a self-mastery coach and speaker, and I help high-achieving women achieve their wildest dreams with clarity, confidence, and courage because they are the creators of their realities and they need to be reminded of that. That is so powerful on so many levels. I mean, for one thing, it sounds like in the beginning of your career, there was a lot of external pressures. And of course, a lot of us go through this where you want to provide for your family, you want to be an achiever, but then you were able to, as time went on, tap into something internal. And I I think that's a big struggle for women in particular, because we feel like we have to be it all. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for women who are pursuing these, they're in these high achieving fields, they're very driven. How, uh, how do you get people to the realizations that you were just talking about before they reach burnout? Because you, you detailed how you, you know, you had to go to the emergency room. You thought, Hey, maybe, maybe I could be dying. I could be in a serious health crisis here. So how do people recognize those telltale signs that they are burning out before they get there? Yeah, I think a pattern that I've seen with my clients and just in general is that we are disconnected from our bodies many times. And even if we feel our bodies is giving us signs, so many times we ignore those signs. Mm. So I think a key enabler of this journey is to reconnect back with yourself, to prioritize yourself. Because Like you mentioned, women, we are experts on deprioritizing ourselves so we can please everyone else around us. So Mm -hmm. the journey is one of recommitting to ourselves. And I recommend doing this with a practice or a habit that grounds you. Some people do journaling. I love doing meditation because it's, again, connecting to my own input so I can understand myself better. And the whole practice is not only to regulate your nervous system, but also to allow intentional time to get to know yourself. Pay attention to your body, to your mind, because like I mentioned, stress and even being close to burnout or anything else, it's data that something in your life needs realignment. And I think that's important because like I mentioned in my story, we are used to tolerating pain until the pain becomes unbearable. And we don't want to be in a situation where we hit crisis or we hit rock bottom Mm -hmm. to make a decision that is already aligned within us. And that's a pattern that we often run. Mm -hmm. We often wait until we have a health crisis. Usually the body is the last layer of kind of like emergency alert. Yeah. (laughs) And we wait until that panic attack or until something happens, even an injury or whatever, to actually look back and say, wow, I need to change something. So even before that crisis, pay attention to yourself because you are the only resource that has the truth. No one else will do it for you, not because they don't want, but they don't know better. So you got to be your biggest advocate. And that Mm. starts with prioritizing yourself. Now, it's important to cultivate these tools on an individual level, but it seems like a lot of the burnout, the pressures, the stressors might also be caused by the bigger systemic issues at play, perhaps discrimination, lack of childcare resources, uh, and so forth. 
for engineering companies, perhaps staff that might be listening to this right now, what can they be doing at a bigger company-wide, maybe corporate level to help prevent burnout before it even starts? I love that. And I, you know, as I reflect on this, I had the opportunity to work for two different cultures completely. And the last company that I worked with, they had an amazing culture, truly, where for the first time in my life, I felt that I could be my authentic self. I felt that I could communicate my needs and everything that I felt, you know, at the deeper level and that I was safe. Um, the, the first step is to work on yourself, which is the only thing you can control. But in terms of companies and systemic issues like this, I think it's really important to cultivate an environment where leadership has vulnerable conversations. You know, mm. even if we provide systems, I, I think we got to use those systems, like not taking vacation, for example, mm. is a, not, not taking your whole vacation. I mean, it's a huge issue and it starts with leadership because they are not giving the example and therefore people think that taking times off, you know, that's not okay. Frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I remember in one of the companies that I work with, um, I was a new hire and there was this person that was retiring. And I received this email of kind of like congratulating this person that was retiring because he had never taken a sick day off in his whole career. And I remember like thinking to myself, really, is this a thing that we are celebrating? Like mm. why we don't encourage people to take sick, sick days off when they need it or vacation where they need it. Um, I have one client that she takes one quarterly me day that it's focused on herself. But going back to your question is I think leadership needs to start having more vulnerable conversation in terms of like how they themselves, how they deal with these issues. And not only having those vulnerable conversations, but leading by example, like asking your team, hey, how are you like doing a wellness check? How are you feeling in terms of stress, in terms of burnout? Is mm -hmm. there anything I can do for you? Mm -hmm. um, because again, we don't want things that they set systematically, but they don't follow through. I think those checkpoints can be simple and so powerful. And again, like really encouraging vulnerability of people communicating their needs and doing something about it, not just talking and communicating about it, but doing something about it. Right. It has to be genuine. You have to walk the talk. Exactly. And making them feel that they are safe because I see this pattern with my clients and women in general of being afraid to communicate their needs because they mm. think their performance is going to be negatively impacted or they are not being going to be seen like they are competent or they can do it. Um, so I think you got to really cultivate this culture of safety, of vulnerability and of mm. teamwork. Because at the end of the day, it has to be a win-win situation. Yes, for a company leadership, but also for the individual. So important. Mm. Yeah, leaders, companies, corporations definitely need to uh, take note of that. Take heed leading uh, moving forward. Uh, on a previous episode of the Diverse Podcast, we talked with Tanya Geisler on what she called the imposter complex. And Carrie, I understand that you've had your own experiences with imposter syndrome as an engineer, 
I also know that this is very interesting. You live on a sailboat. So <laughs> would you be able to, Carrie, walk us through, uh, you know, your background there and how this all came to be? Because this is a very unique thing to you. I know. And I have a confession. In the past couple months, I bought my first land home. Oh. So <laughs> but, land um, and sea. That's okay. I know. Um, but I still spend significant uh, time on my sailboat and have spent, uh, oh gosh, seven years living aboard and maintaining that sailboat. So that's a big part of my life. And now yeah. I'm dealing with a different identity crisis, ironically, about uh, moving off the boat mm. and learning how that changes your perception of yourself, right? Am mm. I just the things that I do? Or Right. Um, anyway, so... I started off with a mechanical engineering and design degree from RPI. I had a lovely time uh, for the first decade of my career actually on the West Coast. Um, and I started my career at the Boeing Company. And I have to say I had a really uh, supportive series of teams and bosses that let me grow in my STEM career. I I really was enjoying learning how to live in the Northwest and do all of the things that they do there. And that's where I learned how to get into what I'll call big boat sailing. So I learned little boat things out here, but after work, I would go to a marina or one of the, it's a, there's a floating museum actually, the center for wooden boats in Seattle. And I start started teaching sailing there after work. And that was just a thing that I wanted to do to fill my copious free time because after college it turns out you have a lot more free time uh, <laughs> and that was something I didn't realize right away is you could actually have fun in the middle of all of this hard work so when I was lucky enough to be out there I met a colleague in one of my first jobs that had gotten into bigger boats and eventually I saw him go through his journey uh, of buying a boat fixing it up and moving aboard and that wasn't something I had really considered before and I've since met so many folks who oh that's my dream and I'm thinking gosh it wasn't that crazy I uh, just <laughs> needed to know someone who did it to make it more realistic you know like mm -hmm, tangible yeah like oh like if this friend can do it like this is totally something that's real it's not just a YouTube um <laughs> thing that I watch other people do yeah um <laughs> so and that really paralleled well with my imposter syndrome at work so I was amongst very high performing folks working on uh, challenging projects. And eventually I got into jobs where I wasn't touching things. I didn't feel like I got to do the hands-on mechanical activities. So the boat has helped me learn things that I have found directly applicable to my job. Uh, maybe it's uh, surface prep for composite material fabrication. There's so many things that are absolutely applicable to my engineering job that I've learned on the boat. I just can't imagine not having that experience and still feeling as confident as I feel today, just because of all the same imposter syndrome context that I think a lot of us who are SWE members have talked about. And a lot of folks who are even, even my friends who are, you know, you would think would not have imposter syndrome are po possibly experiencing that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, even in the most high performing, high achieving spaces, one of the things you'll find is that there's some level of, of imposter syndrome or complex there. Exactly. Yeah. And I do think that has driven me to do more things and try harder. So for example, there weren't many women racing their sailboats and mm. 
it was terrifying to start racing her, especially when I was living aboard and uh, the damage would be far more consequential to my life. Mm. But uh, (laughs) we got into that. And uh, the boat has taught me so much that when I moved back to the East Coast and Yannette, this kind of reminds me of what you're speaking of to your your values. I ended up moving back uh, to New England to be closer to family. And I was able to bring the boat with me Um, which has been so amazing. So I have lived aboard here in New England. And when it gets to zero degrees Fahrenheit, that's when you start looking for land homes. Um, Right. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. But but when I brought the boat back, I had this new experience of being at a place where I didn't really know anyone again. And I had the opportunity to take like countless women out and learn about sailing. So I was just Mm. trying to make friends, but I also knew that, uh, because of my own insecurities about, you know, not looking like the most common person who should be owning and operating, maintaining a boat. I wanted to blast that misconception out of the window and bring as many folks as I could into that world Mm. and just by exposure. So that's been really, really rewarding and a, a great chance to feel like myself and make new friends as I move back home. You know, what I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that by gaining the the competence and the confidence in something that you're truly passionate about, that helped become a transferable skill in your day-to-day job as well and helped you to sort of, if not overcome, at the very least, navigate that imposter syndrome because you found your footing in something that you're passionate in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I've I've also used it to you know, get some street cred once in a while when I think, <laughs> gosh, man, that's a composite repair. It reminds me of this thing I've done and kind of work through that. Mm. Um, and then more recently, I've gotten into teaching women marine diesel courses. And that was one area of the boat maintenance world that I was just candidly scared of, right? We're engineers. There's engine in our job description. And I was like, I'm not entirely sure what to do if something goes wrong in there. So that's been a very direct how do I learn exactly what's going on in there and then start teaching other people as we all have heard, like you learn more when you teach. So that's been Mm -hmm. a learning experience for me. And when I've told my colleagues, now that I'm at RTX here in Rhode Island, when I've told my colleagues about that, so many folks have been like, Oh, I actually don't know as much as I'd like to about that either. Like, can we come hang out? And I've had Mm. so many colleagues and friends be vulnerable with your friends and your peers and your colleagues and creating that vulnerable space as again, Nanette was mentioning has helped me to, to gain those relationships and to build a more trusting work environment as well. And have that shared beginner's mind with people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that must be such a fun community that you've cultivated. Yeah. And fortunately it's a, it's a commonly loved thing here. So there's a lot Mm. of folks interested and if you don't mind, uh, Yannette had mentioned a lot about her switching uh, careers and taking a lot of leaps about that could have been career risky. Mm-hmm. And in order to continue to learn how to sail and to take space for that passion of mine, I've also taken a couple of leaves of absences mm. while I was working full time, which I don't think is conventionally considered good for your career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would challenge that wholeheartedly because uh, at least one of those I had interviewed for a job, let them know that I was taking a month off to go on this significant sailing trip and came back to receiving like a large promotion and my first management role. So uh, Mm. that is something I don't think we all realize is an opportunity. If you are financially comfortable 
comfortable, if you are financially comfortable to take advantage of that. Um, yeah. It's been really rewarding for me. It might also be a green flag when you are working for a company and they're able to realize that an employee may be pouring into their own cup by taking a leave like the one that you took. Absolutely. And that's one of my favorite metaphors. And when you're looking for companies, uh, finding one that aligns with your values, again, like we were speaking about, I'm always looking for someone who will enable me to be flexible enough to do those things. So currently I'm in a role that gives me 980s. Previously, I was able to take leaves of absences, but it sounds like I would not do so well. Uh, It sounds like I would not do so well in Yannette's process engineering position if I could (laughs) sail three hours away. Right. It's about finding that balance and what works for you. And, you know, you found passion, you found balance in the sailing life. What would you say to women who are in STEM, again, high achieving, there's lots of pressures and stressors there. What would you say to them about finding another pursuit, another passion to help counter burnout and find true balance? I would say it's, one of the areas where you can find so much confidence in yourself that it's going to overflow into everything else that you do. I think it's Mm. also important to find something that gives you perspective. Uh, For instance, when I am sailing and there's really tough environmental conditions, maybe we're going through a small craft advisory, you know, you start to think about the value of, of life and things that really impact you. And going back to your computer and your desk job perhaps is a lot easier after those experiences. And I'm not saying everyone needs to have a hobby that challenges them to that extreme degree, mm-hmm. but something that can pull you out of the world your 40 plus or minus hours of work might set you in and give you that perspective. Uh, it's at least helpful to have a handful of those in your repertoire. So when you are feeling that stress and that burnout, you can say, okay, this is going to rejuvenate me. This will fill up my cup again. Go back Mm -hmm. that you've both found a level of fulfillment in helping others gain that confidence, whether that's through the coaching that Yannette spoke about or the sailing and the maintenance classes for Carrie. How has empowering others in your own unique ways contributed to your own personal fulfillment and balance and the well being that we've been talking about? Yannette, we'll start with you. Yeah, I love that question. And before I answer the question, Carrie, love your comment about leave of absence because I actually mm. took two leave of absences too. So <laughs> all about it. Um, yeah, in terms of my own personal fulfillment, I think when I decided coaching, just like Carrie with selling, I wanted to find something that felt authentic to me. And, and I'm still getting to know myself, of course, And coaching is something that, I mean, comes kind of like authentic and natural to me. And it's something that when I finish coaching a client, I feel more energy than when I started, right? And I think that's such a big indicator that we are doing something that we love and that we are passionate about. When we talk about fulfillment, I also define it as To be fulfilled, I have to make sure growing and contributing, right? Like growth and contribution. And I think through coaching and as I guide high achieving women to master themselves and change their lives in ways they never thought possible, that's the way that authentically I've decided to contribute. And 
by leading people to change themselves in better way, it also kind of like teaches me to grow more because the more I grow, the more I can lead others to really live from a place of authenticity, fulfillment, and and love. So I think it's super fulfilling for me and I truly love what I do and how I get to contribute to amazing, amazing women. Mm -hmm. And Carrie, what about you? What about helping others through the sailing, through the maintenance classes has helped contributed to your own personal fulfillment? Absolutely. Well, at a the simplest level, I learn so much more when I watch other people learn. Like so many mm. of my friends are smarter than me and they'll bring in other perspectives that I continue to learn through their eyes. And I mean, most recently I've been giving a lot of engine workshops to to SWE sections. And that feeling when you pretty much just hand someone a kit and you guide them, but they they get to experience the solution themselves and you get to see their aha moment. Like I get that secondhand high from that. It is so much mm. fun to see a room full of women be like that. That's what the compression portion of the engine's about. Like that's, mm. oh my gosh. Oh. So that part just actually gives me probably some dopamine. I mean, that's so much. <laughs> and then I personally know enough about myself to know I'm extroverted and I need other people's energy to to fill up my cup. So I have a lot of fun uh, bringing the things I'm, I have a lot of fun bringing things I'm curious about to other people Mm. uh, and having them uh, hold me accountable to learn and grow with me. Mm. And what that sounds like really ties into what Yannette was talking about earlier in that the discovery of, of understanding yourself helps leads, helps you lead yourself to this fulfillment. You know that you're Carrie, you're an extrovert and you fill your cup by being around people. And for mm-hmm. an introvert, that might be, you know, a different case, but you you did the work and you figured that out. <laughs> yes, it is an introvert's nightmare, what I love doing. <laughs> but you know yourself, that's the key here. <laughs> well, this conversation has been so powerful and inspiring in many ways. I feel like if our paths aligned, I would love to grab a drink with you or something at both of you and keep talking. But before we let you go, if there is, you know, a woman engineer, and I know there is, who is listening to this right now and they are feeling stressed, perhaps overwhelmed because they're not sure what the first step, just the first one should be to navigate their stress or potential burnout. What would you recommend to that person? Carrie, we'll start with you. Sure. And I have so many smart women who've guided me through this. Uh, the first thing I would consider is saying, identifying as the stress. Or is this anxiety, right? Do you know the cause or is this more of a long-term deeper thing? And that Mm. might might cause you to go towards different solutions. But if it is stress, um, having like a short list of different types of things that fill up your cup, whether it's a cup of tea, meditation, or going Mm. on a hike, figuring out some go-tos and don't forget to listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yanat, what about you? I love what Carrie said. I would focus on finding a practice that grounds you. When you're stressed, you are in survival mode. So I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to ground ourselves maybe through breathing. Breathing is such a big one, right? Because when we are stressed, we are breathing very shallow. We cannot think well because Mm -hmm. we are not getting enough oxygen in the brain. So Mm -hmm. allowing yourself to 
find a practice that grounds you. So once you're grounded, you can see more clearly. And like Carrie mentioned at that moment, invest in getting to know yourself. Stress is data. Like what is the thing that is in misalignment that is causing you to be stressed? And what is an aligned action that you can take moving forward in order to to feel better or to dissipate that stress while reminding yourself that you are in control. Mm. I think the feeling of being powerless and not in control causes a lot of stress. So remind yourself you're in control. You're the creator of your life and you can do something about it. Mm. Carrie, Yannette, this has been not only informative and insightful, but it's been a good conversation for the soul. So I really thank both of you for taking the time to speak with us today about the really important topic that we cannot neglect stress, burnout, and finding that balance, especially for women in STEM. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sam. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. And for our listeners who want to learn more on this important topic, Yannette and Carrie were both interviewed for the feature story on stress and burnout in the winter 2024 issue of SWE magazine. So be sure to check that out at magazine. I'm your host, Sam East, and from all of us at SWE, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with your social network. You can visit podcast.swe.org to keep up with our episodes and learn more about how the Society of Women Engineers empowers women to achieve their full potential as engineers and leaders.